Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to sit down with Calvin Gordon of Arc One Welding. Calvin is a coded pipe welder over in the UK and recently just started his own business. He shares his passion for the trade through his welding videos on YouTube. And in the episode, we talk about his experience going to college for stick welding, but then transitioning to MIG welding when he started working at a pipe fabrication company. We talk about dealing with negativity on the internet, trying to change the perception of MIG welding in the community, and the difference in safety requirements between the US and the UK. We jump in right after a word from our sponsors. Have you experienced the power of black and yellow yet? Those are the sharp shades of ESOP welding and cutting. And though the brand has been around since 1904, its welding power doesn't live in the past. Oh no. ESOP is breaking through the limits of what welding equipment can do every damn day. Plug into the full MIG, TIG, and stick package of Rebel. See under the hood with Sentinel's wide view and perfect optics. Cut time and mistakes with Thermodynamics Manual Plasma Cutter. Simplify your automated welding with the app-based software of ESOB Cobot. Even go off-grid with the Ruffian, the best compact engine drive you'll ever lay your gloves on. Or Volt, the first and only welder to run on DeWalt standard power tool batteries. How incredibly powerful is that partnership? ESOB is leading a new age of welding power, and that power belongs in your hands. Check out the full light and heavy industrial lineups at ESOB.com. When it comes to choosing a welding school, there are a lot of options out there. But in my personal opinion, I think finding one that gives you experience of what you'll encounter in the field is going to be worth the price of tuition. And that is exactly what our friends at Arc Labs are doing. Aside from their basic curriculum that'll get you trained to be confident in your skills, you'll have a chance to weld in one of their many different simulators that'll show you what it's like to weld in a confined space, welding in a pipe rack, or even making crucial welds on a water wall with little to no room to maneuver. If you're out in the field on a job and encounter something like that, you could be the go-to welder to make those crucial welds with confidence. Aside from that, if you have a special process or alloy you want to learn, when you finish their basic outcomes, you can jump right into getting prepped for industries like sanitary, performance fabrication, and many more. Best thing is, when you finish school, you still have 20 extra welding hours after you graduate the school. So, if you decide you want to get into another industry, you can feel confident going into that weld test with extra time and guidance to get you there. If you're ready to be a future leader in the welding industry and hit the ground running with all the experience you need to be more than just a new hire, but a great set of hands, head on over to arclabs.edu today to start learning where welding will take you. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners just in case they're not familiar with you and what you do? Okay, well, my name is Calvin. I am a coded pipe welder from the UK. I mostly do MIG welding, but in the meantime, I do YouTube videos as well, filming all of the stuff that I get up to. Same thing with Instagram, and I'm starting to go off on my own with a mobile welding business as well. 
So that's just a brief overview of me. I found you through YouTube, like when I was in school, like I was telling you a little bit earlier, but I was very fascinated because you do very large pipes with MIG and that's not something you see too much over here in the States. A lot of people will do combo where it'll be like a TIG root and then a stick out. And I just don't see a ton of MIG pipe work. So that's a big thing I wanted to talk to you about. How did you get into what you do? What Did you go to school for this? Did you just kind of fall into it? What was your journey into welding? So the journey was unexpected. My my father got me a job as basically an apprentice where I started in a pipe welding company and I was just working with him. I was doing odd jobs until I slowly picked up the skills to be able to weld bracketry. And then from brackets, I moved on to pipe. But before that, I was a mechanic. I was studying in, we call it college. It is, I guess, year 13, 14 and 15 after secondary school for me. So once I qualified in the college, I went straight into this job, with, which was like completely opposite. I was studying mechanics and now I'm a welder. So um, yeah, it was, it was abrupt. I weren't expecting to do it, but at that point there, I was getting maybe 60 pounds a week as a mechanic. So when I got my first job and the first paycheck was coming in where I was making more than that a day, I was happy. And one thing leads to another. And fortunately, I, I started in a place where there was the progression as well as the ability to get onto pipe work. That's so funny because there's a big, I know over here, there's a big kind of divide between mechanics and welders. Like welders are like, I'm not a mechanic and mechanics are like, I'm not a welder. So it's just funny yeah. that you were the bridge between those two worlds and in, in your life. Literally quali- <laughs> qualified on the Friday, started a new job on the Monday. That's wild. When you were learning the apprenticeship, what was the learning process like for you? So in the UK, where I'm from, and as far as I know, there is not much when it comes to learning, when it comes to progressing and getting a full welding qualification. I went to a college called Croydon College and I studied heating and ventilation, pipe fitting and welding. So the course mostly was pipe fitting Mm. with a practical side of welding. And that was only on the, the level two, the level three of it was welding and level two was only pipe fitting. So there, there wasn't really much progression, if that makes sense. We started off welding, was using 60, 13 welding rods, started on plate. From plate, you moved on to pipe, you do your vertical ups or horizontal, your, I think I've done a rolled joint. And then after, after you get good at that, at the end of the term, you're, You have to basically make a three inch T elbow piece pipe. So it's a T and then, and the stabbing that comes off of the T, there was an elbow and yeah, you just welded that up and you was qualified in a, it wasn't a full qualification in welding, but a provisional, that's it. You was a provisional welder, but no, there is not many avenues you can go in this place here to be qualified to the absolute top. You have to really and truly do an apprenticeship and, and each company kind of trains you up with the stuff that they do. That's, I mean, but that seems like it makes a lot of sense though, too, because over here, the learning experience is very similar. Like you go through and you learn your position welds and then move into pipe. And then when you get in the field, that's where you're actually getting all of the like training of everything you're going to be doing the rest of your career. It's like doing stuff out of position in weird spots, like all that kind of stuff. 
but but do you sort of have the training to, so you've at least practiced each type of weld beforehand? Correct. Yeah. Uh, depending yeah, on we, what program you go to, but yeah, we, we didn't. I, well, at least I didn't have that. So with my course, it was only stick welding, no flux core, no TIG welding, no MIG welding. It was just stick, really. Dang. So, so you learned in the school of hard knocks. I guess I did. <laughs> it's good to, when you learn practically, but there's also, there's a limit as to the knowledge that you can gather. Unless you're around certain people who are really smart and know what they're doing, you soon become the smartest person in the room and you're, I'm stupid. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I, I want to be able to turn to certain people and learn new things. So, so it's, it's difficult when you're kind of cocooned in one place. Cause I've, I've been working in the same place for coming up 10 years. Dang. That's well, and that's probably some of the inspiration behind your mobile company that you just started. Yes. Just wanting to get out and work somewhere else. Yeah. And just grab a little bit bigger piece of that pie. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the owner is always going to be taking the lion's share. So if that's you. Yeah, yeah that's going to be me. <laughs> well, what was the process of starting your company? Because I have no idea what it's like over there. What kind of steps do you have to take to start a welding company over in the UK? So I'm flattered that you call it a company. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a company yet. It's just me and my van. But hey, for, you're doing for, the for work. Me, yeah, it has to start somewhere. So for me, I kind of, where I started the YouTube, I, I always knew that I wanted a garage. So when I bought my first property, I made sure it had a garage. Where I was on my social media, I was able to get tools and equipment through sponsorships and reviews and things along that. So I was able to basically dock out a garage. So when the time came, I bought my van and I had a, most of the stuff already. You know, you do your Google ads promote on social media. People seen me through the social medias, contacted me and got me jobs through through that way there. But it's just as simple as obviously opening up a, a limited company and start trading through there, get a you know, business bank account and word of mouth, Google ads, and you have to just get yourself out of there. It's, it's really difficult. I'm, you know, they say you don't turn a profit for the first couple of years of working. Mm -hmm. So fortunately for me, the full-time job I've got is so flexible. So I can do my private jobs on the side. And I've got like a safety hammock of a full-time job whenever I haven't got any work going for me. I mean, it's always good to have something that you could count on to build something that you're passionate about. Yeah. I think, what did they say? I think there's a quote where it's, you use the weekends to build the life you want. I think that you go somewhere like that. So I was using my spare time to build the life that I want. And it's getting there slowly. There's, it's overwhelming to think what more needs to happen from doing prefab for like the last 10 years, the passion kind of goes. Yeah. So the, yeah, the mobile welding is definitely making me excited again for welding. Oh, that's good. I mean, if you don't have the passion, and then it's work. But if yeah. you have the passion, it's fun. Yeah, especially MIG welding pipe. It's just, yeah, it's all day in the dark in your welding shield, and it's just repetitive work. Yeah, that was one thing that I was really fascinated by is, so when you are doing these like large pipes with MIG, are you using a spray transfer? What is the process that you're using to do these? Yes, yeah, so... We use a one mil wire. It is a solid core wire, so no flux core, nothing like that. We, well, at least I route it with a short circuit dip transfer, 
nice low power. And then for the shed 40 pipe, I'll do a spray transfer hot pass and a pulse cap. So the machine that I use really helps. I think it does about 90% of the work because it pulse. It doesn't import as much heat in there and the material is able to solidify. It gives you a nice cap profile. And where I roll the butt joint away from me, I can do a whole butt joint in one go. The job as well is low spec. So uh, I do stuff for like plant rooms, data centers, things where it's not going to be running more than six bar of pressure. So it is, it is all low spec type of work, but we've got a lot of that over here. I don't trouble any, any kind of oil field sort of stuff, nuclear stuff. I stay away from all of that. Though the test that I passed to, to get my code in was a, a class one test where it was x-rayed and all sorts. I only work to a class two specification. So by no stretch of imaginations is this top quality work that I'm doing. Hence why a MIG root and a MIG cap is perfectly suitable for what we're doing. And we can, um, I can mass produce a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. That's the beauty of MIG is just, there's almost no downtime. A, a two and a half inch butt weld from being prepped on the rollers from being rooted and capped will take you three minutes. That's quick yeah. work. Yes. You're doing these like all day. You've probably run like miles and miles and miles of pipe. It's just cool to think yeah. about. I believe I have done, yeah, miles because I know that we use a 20 kilo MIG ball and I go through one of them every two days. Dang. Every year, every two days I go through one of them. And the gas is, I think it's one of them, a hundred kilo bottles that cut. They're about five and a half foot, six foot tall, the bottles. Yeah. And yeah, again, two days I go through one of them. That is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I haven't really proper calculated it, but even the slanges, well, I traveled away one time to do work and I was doing seven till seven, seven days a week. And in about two months, I think I, I welded like 600 three-inch flanges, something like that. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. And again, that is just the beauty of me. I fabricate and weld too. So, yes, it's double duties there, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and on the fabrication side, you're working with these heavy pipes. What are you, the tools you're using? Are you using like cranes? Are you just using like chain lifts? Like what is the process of actually fabricating these pipes? Brute force is one of them. <laughs> we are allowed to tack onto the pipes. So that helps us out a lot, being able to tack onto the pipes. I have a captain's wheel, which is just two pipes that slide in and out of each other with attachments on the face of it that I can attach to the pipes. So. For example, an, an elbow, if I have to weld an elbow, it's hard to describe, but it's like a piece of angle welded at the back of the pipe. So you can rotate it both ways and weld it in both orientations without having to tack. It's, I'm really, I'm not doing it no justice. <laughs> yeah, I tack things onto it and I roll the joints out. I have a one-ton crane. I have a bunch of V-stands. You also have rollers. I try to make everything a rolled joint. That's what helps out doing everything as a rolled joint. What about like your takeoffs and stuff like that? When you went through school, you probably learned a lot about, you said pipe fitting was a big part of school. Has there been things during your career doing this that were just like, oh man, this makes it so much easier to figure this out? 
Were there things that you've learned just by doing it that really helped you out to be more efficient and faster? Formulas help out. Pythagoras theorem. I think I said that right. <laughs> that is something that I use to calculate sets. So I've got a chart that basically has the centers for all fittings. So on the T's, the reducers, the 45's, each size pipe has their centers written down. So I do my own takeoffs. Although we do have CAD drawings with a cut list, sometimes you can't really trust them because if they've made a mistake, you've made the pipe and ultimately the responsibility is on you. Mm -hmm. So I do my own calculations, my own cutting list. I take it to the guy on the saw, he chops it and I, I bring back my um, pipe to my bay and I grab my own fittings and clean everything up and weld everything. Dang. So yeah, it's, it is a lot of work. Explaining it out now, it is a lot of work. But, that's, but not every fab shop is like that. Some fab shops have one welder to every two fabricators. But that just seems very inefficient because you're having to go backwards and forwards. And if one person's welded one joint and put it back in a pile and someone else has grabbed it, how do you mark that? Yeah, how it do you keep seemed... the consistency? Yeah, so yeah, that, I don't know. I only know what I'm used to and that's this fab shop really. And I also see in all of your videos, you have a little PAP system, your welding helmet that forces the clean air. Was that given to you or is that a personal choice? So the first one was bought for me from my boss and it was the old one. It was a Speedglass FX9100 and I love that mask. And then I think one of my sponsors gave me another one after. You need to wear it in this country. If you're in a fab shop of a certain size, Local air fed, so your respirator, as well as an extract system is needed in these fab shops. So it's by law. That's the good law to have because welders are notoriously just tough people, right? And, and everyone thinks that they, yeah, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt me. But like toxic fumes are really not good for you. Like they in, really aren't. But PAP systems are not cheap either, so... I feel like that's half of the reason why people don't use them is that it's just they're priced out of good health, which I think is kind of a bummer. So it's yeah, nice to know you have to have it over there. Yeah, no, it is true. Um, it is a shame that people don't have it, but I, it's, it's, I wouldn't do no work, no, no welding work without it. I think it is essential. I'm high when it comes to uh, safety. I want everyone to be safe. I don't want anyone to get hurt at work. I don't want anyone to to have long-term like effects. And when I see a lot of the videos in America, you not really don't have any of this sort of stuff. Yeah, it's truly the Wild West. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? With Weld.com, one of our big things is trying to promote safety in the field, in yeah. the welding field. Like you see a ton of people wearing short sleeve shirts and stuff like that. I'm like, what are you doing? We all know what uh, the risks of doing this job are. So... Just take the precautions to, like, you only get one body. Take care of it. And that's one of the things that I kind of took on board from early because I did, I did look at myself as a young person and think, if I'm going to be doing this for all of these years, I need to take precautions from now, not when it's too late. Yeah. yeah. So uh, It's hard is, to come back from. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Once the damage is done, that's you. I just feel like the PAP system and just air quality... That's one that people just kind of shun at. They're just like, oh, it's not that crazy. It's, well, a couple of years down the line, let's see what you're saying. Yeah. I can only understand, I can only imagine how bad it is because every now and again, I'm a bit cheeky, especially at home or doing my private jobs. I don't, I take 
there's health and safety serious, but not as serious as work because I don't know. It's, it's, it's like when you're doing your own stuff, it's like, I need to just quickly do this and, and it'll be good. I have no tolerance when it comes to the fumes. One tap without a respirator on and that is me done. I feel it in my chest. I got a headache for the rest of the day. All sorts. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Upgrade your welding game today with the highest quality leather products from Outlaw Leather USA. Their welding hoods, arm pads, and handles are expertly crafted with premium materials to provide long-lasting durability and stunning visuals. Don't settle for less than the best. Experience unbeatable protection and comfort with Outlaw Leather USA's custom leather products. As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Upgrade your welding gear now at Outlaw Leather USA. Are you looking for a machine that has the versatility to handle MIG, TIG, and stick, as well as being able to run off of various power sources at the same time? Look no further than the Lincoln Electric 210MP. This was the first machine I picked up when I started my journey into welding, and it has never let me down. Light enough to carry into anywhere I might need to take it, with the ability to plug right into the wall when 220 isn't available, it has helped me build, repair, and create in all kinds of environments. There are all kinds of machines out there on the market, but from my personal experience, putting countless hours on this one, it's the first one I recommend to people looking for their first multi-process welding machine. Find out more over at LincolnElectric.com. At that big conference I was telling you about, there's a ton of extractors. There's so many options for people to just take care of their lungs. I think I've been spoiled. This place here, I'm, I've really been spoiled when it comes to protection and, and just work in general. I've had a crane. Most people don't have a crane. I've never gotten to use one. It's just that brute force you were talking about. And <laughs> speaking of brute force, when you're on the internet, there's a lot of mixed opinions and a lot of yes. negativity that comes with that. And you got to fight it off one way or another. How do you deal with people interacting with your content? I deal with it a lot different now than I did before. Before, when I used to read negative comments, I used to heat up on the inside. I used to have an itchy head. I used to kind of. <laughs> be thinking about it and dwelling on it and, and taking things to heart. But what helped me so much is reading comments that are so unreasonable and so like silly that it makes me realize a lot of people are actually stupid and they don't take the time to put together like a coherent thought before saying it. So yeah. that's kind of helped me deal with it. Now, now every now and again, I may read things that I'm, I'm about to comment back to in, in a negative way. But for the most part, I've, I've realized so many people just, they don't know what they're talking about. So it, it does, it does help out. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced it where someone's just said something that is so, just so off the out, wall. You know, and then, and you just, you take a second, your face scrunches up for a minute and you just think, did this guy even see the same video I just made or the yeah. photo? That made me realize that people just talk nonsense and I can deal a lot better with negative comments. But to be honest, I get good things overwhelmingly all the time. So it's just the odd. 
it's just an odd one every now and again that just kind of makes you think, hmm, what's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a very interesting dynamic. The things that people will say behind a computer and if you're there face to face, I wonder what that conversation would be like. I always just want to have that face to face conversation whenever I find negativity. I'm just like, let, let just say it to my face. Let's meet yeah. up. Let's have coffee. Let's grab a beer. You would end up coming and finding common ground, and that person's not a bad person. Because I use Mick, I get a lot of comments about. I could tell you a story. You know, when you get companies that reach out to you and ask to um, share your content elsewhere. Mm-hmm. One time. One time I, I let them share my content and they put it on Facebook and the, the, the title was the ultimate welder, best welding in the world. You could only imagine <laughs> what the comments was as I'm doing rolled butt joints using MIG. And that was, when I was reading the comments, that was sad. I didn't like that. No. But I'm put up, I'm put up with like a MIG video and, and people say, come back to me when you're doing real welding, like TIG welding or stick welding. And, and in the comments, I may comment, my bro, I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah. I never said I'm the best. Yeah, I'm doing a job. And I'm, that's, it. I, that's one of my big things right now is I'm trying to go to bat for MIG because we all use it. We all use it. It's faster. It's cleaner. It is, it, it's just good for productivity. And everybody 100%. just, everyone wants to be like, oh, if it's not TIG or if it's not stick, it's not real. It's no, I mean, it's still welding. I don't understand what you, it's still hard to make a MIG weld look good in weird positions. It's like, it's, it's, yes, that's the, that I can't agree more. If I never MIG welded and I only done TIG or stick in my imagination, it would probably be just as hard to learn how to do that as it was MIG. It's just like I, I was on MIG. These are all difficult things to do properly not to do a little one inch weld that may look nice but to do it properly it is difficult to get to a stage where your welds are coming out really nice in all different positions so yeah i don't get why people think stick is just the ultimate or the tig is just the ultimate especially i think a lot of people was kind of taught back in the days that mig was bad and the machines were bad yeah but what i'm using now is is like a fifteen thousand pound welding machine that makes the welds come out beautiful you can push welds and and drag welds and they come out nicely and people are still caught up on the fact that you can only push welds and you can't drag them yeah i don't understand one of the things that gets under my skin is that argument because i'm just like man like there's been so many advancements and like doing roots and stuff with meg is very difficult because like when i went through school we had a meg plate class where you had to do your 2G, 3G, and 4G with MIG open root. And it's not just a cakewalk. It takes some skill to get it and get fusion. So it just always makes me laugh. Like whenever I just see that argument, I'm just like, man, yeah. like, what's it, the deal? People are still stuck in their old school ways. But see how you said it was difficult to MIG. If you was to change that over to stick, you'd, you'd still be having just the same amount of difficulties. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? You'll be- just you'll be just as hard until it's not hard anymore yeah and they all kicked my butt the same (laughs) you know what i'm saying it was a difficult thing to learn no matter what process it's always going to be hard until you get it one one thing that helps me out when i get like certain comments is i kind of shame people it's probably not (laughs) good but i'll be like mate don't blow out my candle to make your one burn twice as bright (laughs) it's things like that and it's just so it de-escalates the situation so good yeah 
Yeah, sometimes yeah. you just got to put someone in their place and, and just let them look at themselves for a while. Yeah, just, all right, come back to me when you, because a lot of people say MIG is X and X, but they aren't MIG, and that just baffles me. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I want to start a new series where it's like, do it better. Do it better. Do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Show me how to do it better. It's if you want to trash talk it, do it better. Yeah. Well, you know, they'll say, ah, I'm not going to waste my time on something like that. <laughs> Be selective. Yeah. Well, one thing that I do end each episode with is since we're trying to help the new community of welders and people trying to break out on their own, like you're doing right now. What is some yep. of the best advice you would give to new welders or people trying to reach that next level of starting their own thing? Starting their own thing. Hard work is key. Nothing is going to be handed to you in this life, especially with welding. You can't sit back while the team wins and you reap the benefits of it. It's only hard work from you individually will progress you to the next step. So that's one thing. That I can say and another kind of thing for new up and coming welders who think that they can never do it, it is going to be extremely difficult at the start learning how to weld. You're going to think you're never going to be able to get it. Don't stress too much. Make sure you, you practice a little bit all the time. There's no rush to become the best welder in the world. Do a little bit and sleep on it. You'll find the next day that you come back to it, then brain connections have connected and it's just that little bit easier this time and at least practice once a day continuously and then yeah you're going to find that you're you can't do it you can do it you get good at it and all of a sudden that skill falls back out you can't do it again until you can do it again and then you're going to be proficient at welding that's the best thing best advice i can give people really that's good advice that's I, I mean yeah if you don't use it you lose it so just yeah. keep up that practice. Yeah, every day you have to put a little bit of time in every day because your brain does them connections at night when you're sleeping and all sorts. So when you come back to it the next day, you're just a little bit better. Well, and just keep up that persistence. Keep just pushing to where you want to be in life and you'll make it. It's just, yeah. Once I like what you said, don't try to be the best. There's no rush in becoming the greatest welder in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's and, not going to happen overnight. Yeah, there's no road to go there either. <laughs> it's just a lifelong journey of becoming the best welder until someone's just a little bit better. There's yeah, that's it. always someone out there that's a little bit better. So it's just or doing something a little, uh, doing well, but a bit cleaner or can do extra things or is welding on a nicer place than you are. You have to just find your lane and find your comfortability. And it's hard. It's hard to accept, but not all of us are meant to be stars. Not yeah. all of us are. Some of us just need to just be better than where we was. That's yeah. it. Be better than where you was. And that's good enough. That is, that's great advice. Well, this has been yeah. an awesome conversation. And I really enjoy You've really opened my eyes to what it's like over there. And just your journey so far has been pretty cool to hear because I didn't I you don't that. get that much out of, I love your YouTube channel and I love your videos, but you know, this is a, a way more in-depth explanation of like who you are, where you came from. And that's what fascinates me. I like hearing the journey. So, well, I wish I could waffle this much on my YouTube videos, but I have to kind of explain what goes on. I'm thinking about just, just having a sit down and talk video and just chat. Shit. People, I think, I think I might. people would like it. I mean, I, 
it was funny, like preparing for this interview, I was going through like your channel and I was just trying to find a video like that, being like, this is who I am, where I came from. And I was like, well, I guess we're going to have the story of a lifetime for this one. <laughs> Maybe I'll put that, I'll put that on. Well, so I grew up in London. That's, uh, That's yeah. a little bit more. I want to go I, out there at some point. I've never made it overseas yet. I'm the same. I'm the same for going over to you guys as well. They need to make it easier. That's what I think. <laughs> there needs to just be an expressway or like just something where it's, it's not going to cost me like $4,000 to go over there. And it's so expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, it's, yeah I, just, I think that's the, the logistics. That is really expensive to go over there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if $4,000 is a... You could probably find a better deal, but every time I try, because I'm a musician and I've tried, I had a song that blew up in Spain and people are like, you need to come and tour over here. You need to come tour. And I was looking at like the logistics of doing that with getting plane tickets, renting equipment, getting a visa and being able to be out there, like just lodging and stuff. It was going to be really hard to make any kind of profit. And I was like, yeah, Ooh. but I would love like me and my wife, we got to come over there and just see Europe. There's so much history. I'm a history nerd and it would just be cool to see all these places I've only seen in books and TV. I think I've got the same kind of feeling as well when it comes to America. All you've ever seen is movies and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. We've got so much American stuff over here to the point that the American accent is just, that's an accent. That's a that's British accent to me now. No, no I, I can't tell the difference. It is just, it's just that we are American here and, and over there. That's been another really cool part of doing this podcast is that I've talked to people worldwide and it's just, it's cool to hear what it's like in different places. Like I've talked to people in Germany, I've talked to people in UK, I've talked to people up in Canada. One thing never changes and it's welding. Like welding is the same everywhere. It's just a little bit different when it comes to like certifications and just restrictions. It's cool. It's very cool. And if I ever I make it out there, I'll be like, hey, we're getting up. We're going to go get a beer. Well, you are all weld.com tell them to invite me over one of my big pushes with weld.com is trying to give people like we want to be a global welding resource not just a resource for people who are in the u.s so it's yeah. i i really am trying to show people just what are the steps of doing it over there there's a much more streamlined process in the uk i think because we're so much more smaller that everything can just be more interconnected like we have across the whole country certain shops that are just from the whole country have the same certain shops. I'm sure you lot don't have that. You lot don't have a certain shop in every single place, do you? No, it's different shop. I like it's a lot more private companies out here. It's like there's tons of different private companies bidding to do the same work. So yeah. it's pretty crazy. It's pretty and people will travel like out here there's a lot of people chase shutdowns so like factory shutdowns and you might be working in one state one day and then the next week you're two states away and then the next week you're like all the way on the other coast and it's yeah that seems crazy to do yeah yeah no it is that life i was everybody was trying to push me into being a pipe welder like chasing shutdowns and stuff like that and I mean, I've toured with music before and I was like, man, touring with music was fun. But I think like touring and doing 10 hour days back to back to back to back or 12 hour days back to back and then never being home. 
Like I, I like being home and I like being home as well. And I'm sure it's even harder when you got a family. Yeah, so when you got family, that just causes maybe if you're a single man, a young single man, you can do that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's where a lot of people getting into the industry, like everybody's pushing this next generation to be like, yeah, you should go into pipe welding because our workforce over here is dwindling on the people with the skills. All the knowledge is starting to retire over here and there's a huge need for welders. So it's just trying to get this next generation into these jobs to go and learn from these people before they're that, gone. So that that is the same over here, which is I was listening. I was on a, another podcast. Can I promote it here? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's called the game's gone, and it is basically what you're doing, but the British version. And he's recently only just done it, and he was speaking to someone who does the coding, and they gave such insight as to the lack of skilled work over here as well. There's something like a shortage of 70,000 welders or something like that for projects that are about to start. So it's the case over here as it is over there where there is a lack of skilled like, skilled welders. Yeah. And there's no one out there training people up as well. Well, and I hear like another thing that you run into out there is that a lot of these skilled welders, they'll get offered jobs down in Australia. Like Australia poaches people like welders from Europe all the time. Like they, they'll just be like, yeah, we'll pay you more. And people are like, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a shambles over here. I, I get job CV things sent to me all the time. And there was a job for a, a coded pipe welder, 12 pound an hour, 12 pound 50 an hour. Is what, from, who wants that? It's like min, minimum wage in this country is like 10 pounds something. So two pound more than minimum wage. Yeah. That's another thing I'm really advocating over here too, is that all these kids coming out of welding school. They're trying to pay him like $12 an hour. And I'm like, you have a skill that you need. Like you're desperate for people. You might want to just start offering more money and people will be excited to go do those jobs instead of being like, well, I guess this is the best I got. I mean, that'll be the case as well. I'm glad to finally be able to have a conversation with someone that I've, I, it's only been a one-sided conversation our entire time we've known each other. But today it changed. So Yes, today it does. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. And thank you, Calvin, for chatting with me. I've been a big fan of yours for years, and I was super happy to finally get to meet you. I also want to give a shout out to our amazing sponsors, Aesop, Arc Labs, Outlaw Leather, and Lincoln Electric for making the show possible and helping us all learn more about the different pathways out there in the welding industry. If you have a topic that you would like me to cover on the show or you want to be a guest, reach out to me on the Weld app at BoDidIt or shoot me an email to BoW at Weld.com. Speaking of the app, are you looking for a job? In the Weld app, we have a job board where you can see jobs that are available or post yourself as available to work and let people know what you're capable of and how far you're willing to go. Download the Weld app today to see everything it has to offer to take your career to that next level. Until next week, we'll see you out there.